shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. God has implanted in the right side of our brain, which is where our character formation happens, 
It's where identity happens. It's where uh, this is all where your pre-thought thoughts happen. You think stuff without even knowing you're thinking it before you become cognitively aware that you're thinking about what happens in the right side of your brain that gets activated when you experience joy. And so there's something in there's something very powerful in building relationships with people face to face. They've actually done studies that uh, the, the twinkle in somebody's eye doesn't make your brain react on the right side of the brain uh, in the same way if it's over video as it is to person. They've done studies with babies that having a video of dad's face versus dad's face going, oh, I love you, I'm so glad to see you, does not have the same kind of brain activity that is actually shaping who we are as humans. Okay? And so what we're going to be talking about today is this miraculous thing called joy that God actually reintroduced into the world by sending His Son Jesus at the first advent. That's why the angels, when they uh, broke open the skies and sang to the uh, shepherds in the fields, uh, offered up, this is good news of great joy. Um, and they go on to say, glory to God, verse 14, in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them in the heaven, into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known to them, saying that they had been told them what had been told them according to the child, uh, about the child. Excuse me. And all who heard it uh, wondered at what the shepherds had told them. I love this. But Mary treasured it up, treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The sign that good news, news of great joy, was actually the discovery of this present child where he shouldn't be. The, plan, the place where, where Jesus arrived is spoken of in, in the Gospel of Matthew as a place of great darkness. And that's where we find before the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus fulfilling the prophetic words that, that in the land of Naphtali, the land of the way of the sea, the land of, of sorrow and bellowing, there will be a light that dawns. The light is Jesus. So the light that dawns, the place of joy where there had been sorrow and mourning, the land of Naphtali and, and, and the way of the sea is basically the place where Israel had been exported and exiled and then attacked time and time again. There was a place that was known for constantly being picked over by the enemies. This place was going to be a place of joy. And it becomes reality with the birth of Jesus. How do we know that God is pleased to be with us? Because that was the promise. That was the great announcement. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I don't know about you, but the, the experience or the feeling that God is pleased with us is not natural to me. I know me. And I know how holy and perfect he is. And so there's this 
wrestling that I constantly have. And, and I went away for a, a week this, this last week for some solitude to let the Lord kind of allow um, just some, some identity work to take place. It was such a beautiful week, but I really wrestled in this space. So do I really believe that, that God is happy to be with me even in my weaknesses? Is he happy to be with me even when I when I screw up or, or I don't have it figured out? Is he happy to be with me when I'm having a lazy day or when I'm just not certain what to do with myself or, or when I'm utterly aware of my short, is God happy to be with me? Or is he just enduring me? Is he just like allowing me the, the benefits of being close to me but not really being happy that I'm here? These are some of the questions that the idea that angels are announcing this joy in the place of sorrow. There is something miraculous from another world that is supposed to replace and actually overlay over some of the sorrow we experience as human beings. Joy does not replace anger, sorrow, sadness. It actually is a, a pseudo-emotion or a supra-emotion if we're, if we're talking about uh, the, the scientific language about it, where it's something that can be paired with another emotion, where you can be full of joy, also while grieving. But it's not something you can cultivate on your own. As I've been studying this, the um, psychologists that I've been reading have, have kind of said that um, joy is primarily a relational thing that you experience. Whether the, the foundation of joy, which is building relationship with God, where Jesus comes to this earth and he, and he celebrates, saying, I want to be with you. I will leave the heavens so that I can be with you. I want to be with you. And I'm willing to lay my life down and suffer. Why? To be with you. And to the degree we believe that God wants to be with us, even at great cost, that allows us to trust God or not trust God. And so, as we look through the scripture, we're going to be kind of pushing around those questions. Luke 2.10, fear not, for uh, I bring you good news of great joy, that I will, that will be for all people. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I don't even know if God is happy with us. We are intended to be a people of joy. Joy is intended to be one of the defining features of the people of God. In the midst of a world that is sorrowful, in the, in the midst of history where we don't know how to ratify history without the hope of Christ, we are filled with the joy that exists within the reality of our shortcomings. Joy is both, as I said, an emotion, but it is also a state of being, and I would argue today that it is not merely a state that you can move in and out of, but it can become a trait that you are known for. Not just something that you move in and out of, but joy can become a trait that we exist within through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. My definition that we're going to work from today is joy is a sense of happiness or a buoyancy that comes from knowing God has attached himself to you and that he has forever chosen to be with you and live within you and he's happy to do so. My primary text for this 
uh, belief is Hebrews 12, 2, that talks about the heart of Jesus as he came to the earth. We're, we're told we're supposed to look at Jesus who had a courageous ability to move through darkness, pain, and suffering because there was something that was a power train for him. We're told that it is the joy that was before him. Look to Jesus, the founder, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? It was knowing that moving through the cross was reaching you and bringing you to himself forever. That was his joy, was to be with you. For the joy that was before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now, listen, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God with the Father. For all of eternity, the Trinity has been functioning, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, delighting in one another, looking to one another, twinkle, 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 it's just this unending, eternal joy that God has actually cracked open the reality for us to take part in that. That the Father, when He sees you in Christ, we now become the twinkle, the star, the apple, as spoken of in the Old Testament, of His eye. When Jesus actually says, I will lay down my life so that I can claim for myself and eternally make you my own, I'm going to give you my spirit. And the third of the Trinity, the spirit imbibes within us and delights to make his home within us and finds joy in inhabiting us because that's always been the purpose of God, to live with man close, intimately, joyfully, fulfilled, Joy is a relational thing that Jesus has made possible. So first, joy is relational with us, and second, joy is our future. We have tons of promises throughout uh, the scriptural narrative, particularly in um, Isaiah, that talks about the joy that is our future reality. If you were to look at uh, Isaiah 9, and you have some of those passages where you would uh, read through where unto us a child is born. You can look at that this week. You probably visit that this coming Sunday as well. Uh, and thirdly, joy can become a trait. Uh, I've been reading a book, and I've referenced it a number of times. I've just been devouring it, trying to like study it, and then even reading some of their source work to kind of go like, this is a big deal. Uh, it's called The Other Half of the Church. Um, I would encourage you to pick it up if you're looking to get more interested in some of these things. It's written by a clinical psychologist, uh, Dr. Jim Wilder. Uh, he wrote it with a spiritual formations author, Michael Hendrick, and they've done this interesting work. In the last uh, kind of three decades, there have been new breakthroughs with how the brain works, and they're applying it to spiritual formation. Uh, primarily, it's going to be this idea of joy in a relational sense. That us cultivating the ability to receive joy and cultivate joy actually transforms who we are. And so at the end of this message, we're going to talk through a couple of different practices that we can do to become a people of joy. I don't know about you, by nature, I have not been a person of joy. Uh, if you like the Enneagram, I'm number four, which I feel deeply. And I can have really fun moments. And it's been around me last night after my week of solitude. We had uh, some folks over and I had some games. And everybody was just like looking at me like, because I had not seen people in a while. And I'm an introvert, so I was like on full, right? And so we had a good time uh, just laughing and, and uh, I'm, things good. But I was, I was in rare form, I think, was the term used. Uh, 
And so I was overjoyed with, with seeing these people, but um, only lately has joy become a, a default emotion for me. And I didn't even know how it actually cultivated. I was just like, wow, God, like, yes, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, okay, peace. So more of the spiritual fruit is coming in my life. So, okay, uh, I appreciate that. I don't know how that works, God, but I'm thankful that I'm not like default emotion sadness anymore. Like, joy feels great. Thank you. This is what normal feels like. Okay, cool. I don't need like Zola. Okay. Uh, actually, joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit uh, when you become a Christian. So, biologically and psychologically, uh, our brains, they have a default emotion that is formed within the first 18 months of life. has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with what's happening around you. So as an infant, you're actually interacting, you're looking around, you're, 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 you're looking to see who and how to interact with others. And isn't it crazy that, that all of us, whenever there's a baby, we go, <laughs> you know, we do this stupid thing, and it's like, we well, can't, I can't control it. I don't know about you. And it's like, how's it feel when they go, oh, feels good, right? Oh, try. That's it. Okay, got it. But how about when they cry? It's like, uh, Riker did not like me for a while. Uh, and it was, it was my fault. It's not because I'm creepy. I'm convinced. Um, uh, when we had our first moment, he was looking over at me, and I was like, I was in one of my rare form moves. And uh, I was like, ah! You know, just like trying to make a weird face at him. And I thought it would make him laugh, but it terrified him. And so the first year of his life was like, oh, Heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of like joy draining. And so I like him just to shield my face. And I'm like, I'm going to wear him one eye at a time, right? Uh, we're cool now. We're cool. Um, anyways, so. Uh, Jim Wilder and Henry say this in their, in their book, The Other Half of the Church, um, which focuses on right-wing uh, spirituality. In the first 18 months of life, the default emotional state of our brains, which should be joy, is set to one of the six unpleasant emotions that the brain recognizes. These six unpleasant emotions are sadness, fear, anger, shame, disgust, hopeless, despair. This is not a choice you made. It was set according to what was happening in your life during your infancy. There are all these huge emotions that can dominate our minds. And if you think about yourself or some of your friends or children, you know that they're a default. Like people just have a default that they lean towards, right? When I was reading, I was like, oh, that made pretty good sense. But as they were studying, they were recognizing that this default position that our our, uh, our personality leans into can actually be altered. Through, through the beautiful miracle of neuroplasticity, we can actually invest in our brain in a way that can rewire our natural tendencies. Isn't that such a beautiful image? And this is not new information for all of us, but just the renewal of our mind, of like challenging these, these long-held like outposts of, of deception that Satan, the world, even our own passive reality has built. And, and the renewal of our mind is, is the truth confronting us. Trying to bring life where there's death, trying to bring joy where there's sorrow, trying to replace uh, ashes or something of delight. This is the work of Jesus. And so, yes, 
being a child of God, one who will is destined for eternal joy with Father, Son, Spirit, and each other is beautiful. But even now, the redemptive work of Jesus is actually to create in us new hearts, new lives that are actually shaped after the image and pattern of Jesus. So that our mind would actually be patterned to think with, in alignment with what is ultimately true, not the, the lies that we fear are true. And so in cultivating these things, let's push into this idea that joy is relational. The, the neurological definition of joy that uh, the psychiatric cultures has built um, primarily through Dr. Alan Rashore, who is known in the psychiatric world as the Einstein of psychiatry, defines joy like this. Joy is what you experience when you see another person's face and eyes that they are happy to be with you. That's joy. It is primarily, primarily relational. That is, it is primarily experienced through the eyes and through the face and through the words. That's why gathering together as the body of Christ is, is not just a luxury, it is essential to cultivation. Um, yeah, joy, joy is primarily passed through the eyes and the face. Um, biologically, God has designed facial recognition into our brains and linked it to our joy center, the author's say. The example they give is when, when one of the author's wife's face lights up when she sees him, uh, this initiates a joy chain reaction in his own brain. And he needs to feel it within his body. You see, there's something that's important for us to reclaim post-enlightenment, uh, where uh, the enlightenment kind of pushed a lot of the importance into us knowing more information and fact, getting a better strategy, where in reality, that's only interacting with part of our brains, and it's not even the part of the brain that affects your character. Character is experiential. It's done on the right side of the brain. It's built around joy experiences, attachment. It's built around safe spaces for love, which we'll talk about next week. And these things are important for us to take the information that is true and allow it to be planted in fertile soil of our character-building brain. And so joy is a part of this. Our brains desire joy more than any other thing, Dr. Wilder said. When we move through circumstances, we're looking in rooms for people who will meet our eyes and be glad to see us. True? It's, it's different when you're running down the road and you come across a sweet old lady with her dog, uh, and, and she looks up and she goes, Hi. And you go, Hi. It's different than walking by someone that's doing this. Right? It's different. Alright, as we go through our day, our brains are scanning our surroundings, looking for people who are happy to be with us, he goes on to say. Um, we have this uh, desire to have relational joy cultivated between not merely each other, but us and God. We, we can experience joy between you and me. When, when you walk in, I walk in, we, we share this joyful experience. That's why many people experience uh, the, the, the joy when you walk into a space. And everybody knows your name. Right? <laughs> it's not just a catchy thing. It is a real deal. Right? Check this out. Psalm 
8615. Now, this is what I was talking about earlier with the folks back, backstage. The idea is, um, in Scripture, we're told that God has a face. And we're told that, that when God's face shines on us, it's actually intended to be received as a blessing. And we'll see that in, uh, in Aaron's blessing that Moses gives for him to uh, commission over the people of God. But what in our translations, many of our, our modern translations, the, the word for the light of God's face has been just translated as presence. And so there's a couple different examples in Old Testament literature where we can experience the truth in two different ways. Psycho or mentally as fact or experientially as embodied truth. And I just want to do a little bit of an experiment with you guys about the way these words, these texts feel different. Okay? Psalm 8615, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, the Lord. The Hebrew rendering of the same verses, in the light of your presence, that, that language reads, in the light of your face. Joy is connected to the face of God. Psalm 1611 reads, In your presence is fullness of joy. The Hebrew for Psalm 1611 is abundance of joy with your face. Psalm 21 6, the king, it says, You make him joyful with gladness in your presence, but the Hebrew rendering is, You make him happy with joy with your face. The biblical definition, therefore, of joy is, Lord, Make his face shine upon you. And that's found in Numbers 24, 16. When God's face brings us joy. Verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So when we were to take uh, Numbers 6.25 and put it through this filter of, okay, the face of God and the presence of God is intended often to be interpreted as the face of God shining. It sounds completely different. So, Numbers 25, listen, just close your eyes and I'm just going to try and invite you into allowing your right side of the brain to have some activity, okay? This will trigger your left side of the brain. The Lord in His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Let me say it again. In another way, the Hebrew of joy translation. May you feel the joy of God's face shining on you. Because he is happy to be. How many of you guys felt that in your body in a different way? Where are we going? See, God designed our brains for joy. He wants us to live in the glow of His delight. We are intended to be a people of joy because joy has filled us through the incarnation. When we look at 2 Corinthians 4, 6, we're told that it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And it is He who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
The face of Jesus Christ was sent here so that you could physically see the joy that the Father and the Spirit and the Son have had from eternity past towards you. Because it's unbelievable that God would be pleased with us, that He would be happy to be near us, that He would be willing to condescend to the depths that He was, to claim us, bring us to Himself, and claim us forever out of joy. And so God sent Jesus to be the very shining light, the glory of God to us on earth. So when we look at Jesus, the one willingly who came to us, that is the sign of a beautiful, joyful hope and message. Just like a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes was a sign of the joyful, great news that the angels delivered. There is a confidence that we can have because Jesus came to this earth and he looked at us, he looked at the children, he looked at the widows, he looked at the unwanted with kindness in his eyes, with delight in his eyes. He wasn't an angry presence. Children wanted to sit on his lap and he wasn't Santa Claus. Okay? He was kindness. There was something that, that drew people to him. And so we recognize that in the face of Jesus Christ, the heart of God is declared to us. Let me read to you again. I'm going to actually close your eyes. I'm going to read those verses again in the Joy Version. The Joy Version, which was put together uh, by my Bible. Psalm 16:11 would read this way. When your face lights up because you are so happy to be with me, you will fill me with joy. See, I feel so much different than in the presence of joy. In the presence is full of joy. When your face shines upon me because you're happy to be with me, you fill me with joy. Another reference, John 15, 11, this is Jesus before he departs. He says to his disciples, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Listen to the joy version. My Father's face lights up when he sees me, because I'm so special to him. And I'm telling you this so that you will feel how special you are to my Father and to me. Our faces are shining on you with light. Imagine if you let that settle past the walls of like, oh wait, I'm not perfect, I don't deserve that. Why would you be happy with me? I'm not happy with you. If you were to allow the words of God to not fall flat or to let Satan kind of just snatch it away before it actually takes root in your heart. Know this, as a follower of Jesus, you have soil. And either you're cultivating soil that is open like we read in the joys of the world, making room, or you're making room for the tr truth of Jesus, even when your insecurities, your past, your, your accuser, the evil one, is trying to like be like, no, that's not yours. That's not true for you. 
If you were to allow, if I was to allow this to take hold of my life, and I'm meditating upon this every day, that while it makes sense, the Father's face lights up when he sees Jesus. True? Yeah. He's happy with Jesus. When he sees me, because he's, I'm so special to him. Yeah, Jesus is so special to the Father. That makes sense to me. This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And Jesus says, okay, I'm telling you that truth, my reality, I'm telling you this so that you can experience, so that you can not just know intellectually, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you will feel in your depths. This is not emotionalism. This is transforming your feeling-oriented brain, which informs at a subconscious level, what you believe in Oh, what if God just transformed my core? And I'm like, without a doubt, he delights. What if that was my default emotion? What, was that? what if that was your default emotion? Your boss chooses you out. And you're like, oof, ah, oof. The father delights. He's happy to move me. What if that was, what if that's how closely we hold the truth? Oh, I want you to know this so that you will know how special you are to my Father and to me. And just to punctuate it, just so you know that this scene again, our faces are shining on you with delight. He does not view you in light of your brokenness, sorrow, self-frustration, your history. He says, you belong to me. And I'll go to hell to capture you. Joy can, my friends, become a trait. It can become a trait. It requires the Holy Spirit's activity. So for you to become a person of joy, that your default is joy, where the truth of God always wants to be with me can become the bedrock of your reality requires you finding yourself in Jesus. And so for you to have a genuine relationship with your primary reality is, you know what? I have abandoned my uh, life of independence and I would rather be caught up in the life of Jesus than caught up in my own. I would rather identify with his righteousness and his death on the cross, his punishment. I would rather identify that through, through baptism and change and live a different life than identify with my own life. When you are in Christ, this can become a very real thing and should become a very real thing. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Self-control. Part of us as humans living in a 
here and, and the future, the, the now and the not yet of fullness of joy, we're going to continue to have those emotional histories where, um, yeah, there will be seasons where sadness still is, is I still have super highways in my mind that, that they do detour through sometimes and, and things will trigger sadness or anger or sorrow. The, 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 the question is how do we move from those really intense emotions that, that kind of lead me to want to, to sin, um, how do we return to joy? And doing so takes kind of treading a new path. It takes effort. It takes uh, emotional regulation, which is one of the ideas that we, we're going to continue to cultivate, which is what am I feeling? How do I make my way back towards joy? I feel sadness, I feel anger, I feel frustration, I feel disgust, I feel unworthy. Okay, that's where I am. Jesus, where are you in this? It's not for you to be like, okay, be happy, be happy, just like, forget about that, that's fine, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It's, how do I find joy in the midst of this emotion? Jesus doesn't want us to be a robot who pretends in control. That's what I was saying about like, the supra emotion is that joy can take place in the midst of sorrow. We can experience those two things at the same time. It's, it's when you're at a funeral, you have a loved one that passes away, but everybody chooses to come together. Everybody wants to be together and process together. And even in the middle of the midst of your sorrow, there's joy that takes place within that because you're not alone in this. In the same way, if you lose your job and you're, you're a part of people who love you, they're like looking at you going like, our love's not conditional. We're happy to be with you even in the middle of this. You're not alone. We're with you. So you're frustrated about your job, you're disappointed, but you're also like, oh, I'm so thankful I'm not alone. And so that's how we find this journey back to joy as uh, some authors were describing is we try and make ourselves aware of where we're at in the jungle and go, Jesus, are you here? Are you still happy to be with me? Uh, how do I feel? But what is the truth? You said you're going to never leave me. But I've gone along and off the path. I'm in a dark place. I don't want to read the word. I don't want to think about stuff. I'm just here and stuck. You're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. You're never going to leave me to my own devices. So you found yourself with me and you're happy to do so. And so being found by Jesus in the middle of your sorrow, shame, whatever it may be, is, is how you return to joy. It's actually a finding Jesus in the middle of your, your stuff. The beautiful thing is that he's looking for you. He will be found by you. So we want to cultivate ways of treading the path from big emotions back to joy. This takes place through storytelling as well. Some of you have gone through trials and challenges. I've gone through trials and challenges. And some of you have been on the other end of the phone. And I'm like, here's what's going on. It's terrible. Have you ever experienced something like this? And some of you are like, well, that sounds terrible. I'm like, I gotta go. And then I call somebody else. Can you do experience? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, it's bad. Let me, let me show you. 
Let me tell you about my journey back to joy. And even hearing the stories of others actually gives you a new picture of what it looks like to live in light of truth rather than being stuck in the darkness where our best hope of joy is pseudo-joys, which is addiction and escapism, all that. You see, the light of Jesus shines in darkness. And so storytelling is a huge, important part for us to become a people of joy and cultivating our ability to tread our way back to joy through Jesus and each other. The second thing that's uh, suggested, and I know Bill Clinton referenced this last year, but this is such a large idea, I'm just not getting the idea in my head, is this idea of a gratitude log, where it's encouraged that you uh, utilize your brain where you think through, you write down five to ten things that you're grateful for, that God has blessed you with, and you write it on a list, and you take time to experience the memory where you go, oh yeah. I was in that circumstance, and that was really tough. Thank gosh. And then you remember what it felt like. Uh, I was meeting with a guy, and I meet with him once a week. He's one of you old Paris, but uh, we have coffee every Thursday, and um, he, he's, he's very observant, and I love him for it. Um, one week I was running late, which happens sometimes, I'm sorry. Uh, and the, the passing, you know that I had a Americano with cream and blueberry muffin. And one week I, I, I was hungry, I was grabbing I sat down with them. And uh, this week I came and I was late. And I walked in the doors. And he's sitting there with his coffee, my Americano, and blueberry muffin sandwiches. And the kindest, like, I've been waiting to see me. And those are moments of like, oh, that's a deep, do you know what I mean? Just to be known and for someone to walk on. That's a long for. And so that, that's one of my thankful things that I sit in and I go, oh yeah, I remember. Carhartt hat, big smile, little table, blueberry marble. Oh, and I just, it warmed my heart. And I sit in And that's actually building my right side of character formation brain. And as I think about that, I'm like, my relationship with God is growing. It's actually becoming more influential in the pre-thought thoughts. My relationship with this fellow, it becomes more lenient. It's, it's fascinating. God has built your body to be transformed into a person of love, joy, peace, and hope. It's crazy. And so we can cultivate this. So gratitude law. Um, let's see, one quote around gratitude law from, from Wilder says this. When we keep practicing gratitude with God, our brain remembers what our connection with Him was like. Making it easier for us to find our way back to Him. Remember, remind yourself, put yourself back in those shoes when you've been in those moments that you can't sustain when, you know, it's a, it's a, a moment where God's presence was there and it's like, yeah. Allow yourself to relive those moments that actually helps you tread a path back to God. Because there will be seasons where you're going to need and 
finally, we, um, we need to stay connected. Uh, as, as life happens, it is essential for us to stay connected with one another where we have others in our life that you're happy to see. And you don't just blow past those moments like look into each other's eyes. Don't be weird. If you're a guy and there's a don't weird people out by this. You know? I hate that I have to say it. <laughs> Find a platonic person to twinkle your eyes at. Use the words, I'm glad to be with you. It, it, it is actually a gift of love to be intentional with that. And so I want us to be known as a people of love. And so thinking through, okay, what is it that will cultivate an experience of God's love that is true, but also will, will build this person? And who am I surrounding in my life that, that, that when I walk into a room, it's that's what we want. That's the kingdom of God. Is walking into a room, being a part of a people, and being welcomed, but also going out into the world. And being glad to see those who no one else is glad to see. This is the heart of Jesus. We'll be looking intently into that in this coming year when we step into our third movement of compassion, the body and heart of Jesus in the world. My friends, we, we are a people of joy. Joy is our history with Christ if you have found your life in Him. Joy is something that we intentionally will continue to cultivate here shamelessly. Because we are a people of joy. Isaiah 55, 11, I'll end with this, and we'll do a meditation and worship. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And I shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. There is a coming joy that will be so, um, so full and expansive that all of creation let alone our, our whimpering hearts will be overwhelmed with joy, that the only logical response is this overwhelming sense of delight in God and the return of delight. Our circle magic here will be wave. Come, Lord Jesus, come and pray. I'll invite you to bow your heads. And my heart is that you would be able to receive the joy of the Father right now. And this is not something you can cultivate, but all you can do is make room. So I'm going to ask you to take a deep breaths. And I'll encourage you 
to bring your heart to God and say, God, if you really do delight in me, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, you look past all the stuff that I just said.
January 21st, we celebrated two years anniversary of the church being around and inviting God's Spirit to cultivate His joy within us. And each of you have brought joy to me in a special way. And I uh, just want to say thank you to dear friends of ours, uh, Alicia and Chris, if you guys want to just come up. You guys have been a part of the plant in this church, and we just love you. So many moments of joy have been shared, and uh, we know this is your last Sunday with us, but it means everything to us because we're family. Uh, we just bless you guys and thank you. Um, most of the early weeks of this church started in us, and so it's just a beautiful thing to be able to share those memories and more going forward. We just want to bless you. Though. So if you're in there, continue to you want to lay a hand on them and just um, bless them. I just want to bless you guys because we know that um, as you move forward, what you, what you desire is nothing short of the miracle of God. And um, yeah, you, you have family with us. And so I just want to pray a blessing for you guys. Father, we just say thank you, Lord God, that the buoyancy of your joy, God, allows us to be in. Grieve when, when separation happens, Jesus, but hold fast the truth that, that God, you, you are doing a beautiful thing, God, and we just ask your blessing that nothing would stand against the, the kingdom, God, that you are growing, God, here and then through the ropes of the family. We just pray your favor on them, Lord God, as you go before them with, with every day that they, they understand that your face shines upon them. And I pray, God, that that would just become, uh, their home would just continue to become even more so a beacon of joy, of life, of hope, and of peace, Lord God. And we just ask you to cover them and protect them. And I pray that you would guide them, Lord. And I pray that you would uh, be with us, Lord Jesus, as we uh, just process the love to, to see what you're doing. Um, and so we just will wait, God, to see all that you have planned for, for this area. So we just thank you for your pervasive work on us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love to be with us. And so let that be a beautiful blind tissue across all of our county. So we ask you a blessing. Thank you for your faith. In Jesus' name. Hey. Yeah, we're gonna we're not going to stop worshiping you just yet because there's a beautiful thing with the fact that Jesus loves us so much that he would come down, leave the comfort of heaven to pursue us. And our only response as lovers of him and followers of him is just gratitude. Lord, thank you so much for what it is that you've done. So let's see gratitude just a little bit longer. It's also fitting because of how well Chris has always led that song. And we love you guys. And we're grateful for everything that you guys have done for, for us, for this church. We know you're going to continue to do great mighty things. So let's just see how grateful we are to him. How amazing he is. And how grateful we are for the fact that he would step down from heaven. Entering to the lowly form of servant to make a way for us to be back into a right relationship with Him. Our only response can be that of gratitude for 
doubt factor. Let's see a little bit more. Like likewise. May we understand.
next week is our Christmas Eve service. So if you're here this week, I sure hope you can be here next week. Uh, 10 a.m. It's not an evening service. It is this coming Sunday. Uh, we do have connect cards or these invitations. Invitations for Christmas Eve. So each one of you should hopefully have one on your seat. If not, we have some hanging around. Uh, so grab one, invite a friend to next Sunday. We have a community table open. We've got cookies, hot cocoa. Please stay up, uh, remain, have some fellowship time, and uh, just communicate with each other. We love you all.